0: Welcome to the Rising Lioness Podcast on All About Animals Radio a place dedicated to animals and all those who act to protect and advocate for them. Hi, I'm Erica Salvamini, and I'll be your host for the next 40 minutes. I'm thrilled and honored to be here representing All About Animals Radio using my voice for the animals. Thank you for joining us for what intends to be an enlightening, thought-provoking, and soul-inspiring series where we discuss topics aimed at understanding the importance of the relationship between empathy, animal rights, and our peaceful coexistence with the animal kingdom. This is also a clarion call. Our mission to enlighten and enlist those interested in becoming global animal advocates, while also bringing awareness to animal suffering and the mass species extinction issue happening around the globe today. We do this for the sole purpose of creating a gentler, more loving and peaceful world for us all to share. And now, on to the show. I want to thank my guest, Lucas Spiegel, author of The Weight of Empathy, for joining us here today for the very special episode one of the Rising Lioness podcast. Welcome, Lucas. Thank you for joining us here today. It's such an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us.
1: Thank you. It's an honor to be here.
0: Awesome. How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, we got... uh last few warm days of the year in oregon yeah so soaking it in
0: are you in northern oregon or
1: uh i'm in eugene which is kind of uh, well it's central on the west west side
0: okay beautiful beautiful country
1: yeah between the mountains and the ocean
0: oh that's nice that sounds lovely any time of year i'm sure yeah so cool well um I guess we'll just dump, jump right into talking about your beautiful, wonderful memoir, which I don't know if I can put into words adequately how moved I was reading it. And it was, you know, there's so much power behind just the title itself. And it's not just the title, it's the whole meaning behind what, what that is, and which we'll get into. But I, um, your book is a gorgeous, soul-inspiring Um Journey. Uh, it's a result of your 22 months of travel throughout Australia, Southeast Asia, and Europe. And I'm not sure that it necessarily started out as a pilgrimage for you to um, visit all these animal sanctuaries around the world or discover the meaning of the weight of empathy, um, did it? That- no
1: that is that's definitely not how it, how it started out um basically I, w- I was living up in Vancouver BC at the time uh, before I started uh, traveling and I decided not to stay there for a handful of reasons. So I had saved some money for the first time in my life. I didn't you know have a job that I was planning to come back to um you know no mortgage or dog or anything so i decided that was uh, possibly the the best and, and potentially last opportunity i might have to do some real long-term traveling started planning this trip and uh the longer that i had to plan then the longer the outline started getting um was thinking maybe a year or or more to begin with by the time i I departed, uh, I had like an 18 month outline and it was, yeah, 22 months by the time I, I got back to Oregon. So, uh, it was just a opportunity to kind of see the world, see some friends, uh, scattered, uh, around different, different countries that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, and yeah as I started to go from place to place uh through some planning and some serendipity, I ended up uh at many different uh animal sanctuaries uh, volunteering and visiting and that really did become a focus uh of my time not necessarily you know looking forward to or looking ahead to writing this book but um it just ended up being some of the, the most fulfilling and enjoyable, and as well as challenging um, experiences that I had. So I I just sought out more and more of them as I went along.
0: That's amazing. Um, and yeah, like, like I said, the title being the weight of empathy. That in and of itself is is quite profound and. I, I feel like, or I have felt, I should say for a really long time that that actually gets at the root of what humanity needs to address in order to heal and repair itself. Um, and then probably only then can we coexist with not just the animal kingdom but with each other. and hopefully, you know, the, the bigger message there is, you know can there be peace on on our earth? And so it almost seems like your book sort of, suggests that you know in in the way that we i mean i guess you'd have to read the book everybody you know you have to (laughs) read the book and and read how the the chapters go on because they're not just chapters it's the journey that you know you take a physical journey of you know traveling around the world and going and visiting all these sanctuaries and um but the the experiences that you gain from there um with uh everything from the uh you know i don't want to jump ahead on my notes here mm-hmm. so we'll, I'll, I'll wait yeah. and i'll hold i'll hold those thoughts a little bit but um i guess you know what maybe we'll just jump in to, right into to chapter one which is probably where you you know I get choked up a couple of times reading your book, actually. <laughs> and you're you're a, an incredible writer as well as, um, you know, you tell these stories and they invoke these, uh, these emotions, um, which I think probably most people can relate to in one way or another. And so you're poignantly describing your plane ride out of the U.S. And um, you were in a moment, you know, realizing what you were leaving behind. And it wasn't just any one thing. It was the, basically all of the, all human comforts you were, you had chosen willingly to leave behind for this extended period of time. And it's everything from your friends, your family, uh, your love and community, and even routines, which kind of in and of themselves be great comfort to us. And so obviously you had made a lot of sacrifices to, to put this journey together and, decide to take this brave, you know, pilgrimage. Um, and so you describe your emotions at that time and these these moments leading up to you taking off as you were grieving and you were frightened and you were alone. And you, you, you express that the only solace you found at that moment was reading a love letter. And in that love letter was a poem and the poem was called a man is not a tree. And I read that and I was wondering, it, it was really, uh was something. And I was wondering if you can explain a little bit about that poem and why that was the thing that brought you solace at that moment.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, it was, hearing you describe it again, it, it, it was a very emotional uh, time. And um, yeah, it was extremely exciting to be going off on this adventure and at the same time, it it was a lot that i was leaving behind um and for a a longer time than i had ever been away from uh home wherever my home is and uh yeah there was there was a lot uh i mean i didn't know what what i would sort of miss when i was gone but um you know a friend of mine Um, back home died when I was on the road and, uh, another friend, as I I mentioned in the book, you know, got pregnant and went all the way through her, her pregnancy and and had a child, um, all in the the first half of my trip. So, um, it was, uh, you know, it was exciting and it was also a, a big sacrifice and it was terrifying in ways, um. And that's you know something that I write about uh a lot in the book is is the the role that comfort plays in our lives I think it's yeah, it can be a little under uh, uh taken for granted, i guess just how important comfort is to us um and how that's sort of innate i think in just being a a human or any kind of animal for that matter is just wanting to, to seek out comfort and stability and safety. Um, and at the same time that can be extremely limiting, um, in our lives, uh, to, to sort of cling to comfort, um, whether it's, it's, uh, a good decision or not is, uh, is up to everybody and to what extent, um, but there's i couldn't i couldn't have done any of this trip if i was afraid of being uncomfortable i mean from you know uh volunteering or or woofing or um doing homestays uh with strangers in the you know the middle of nowhere in uh remote parts of australia or um you know jumping into a country where I don't speak the language or understand the culture or know anything about it and, you know, doing it all on my own is really a critical part of that was being open to being uncomfortable. And, uh, I guess the, to get back to your question, uh, this metaphor of a man is not a tree. Um, it's, uh, something that my, um, Uh, this, this woman I was seeing at the time in in Vancouver, uh, she read this poem to me and this was kind of her insight, uh, by way of this poet, um, into my, my plans was, you know, she was so sad to see me go. Uh, and at the same time she realized that, um, that i i can't have a full life and sort of fulfill my potential of of who i am and my place in the world if i if i sit in one spot my whole life like a tree um and that that's just not uh not conducive to to humans um living sort of fulfilled and and full lives and uh sort of meeting meeting your potential or discovering what your potential is um and again, that's, you know, different for everybody. For some people that might be moving out of their small town into a, a city that's a couple hours away. Uh, for some people it might be, you know, traveling the world. Um, for some people it might be just becoming a part of a, a community that they are unfamiliar with and, and, you know, getting a different perspective that way. Um, but either way, in any of those cases, uh, comfort can be sort of a, can hold you back from it. So
0: absolutely. I I absolutely agree which is probably why that um that part really stuck with me. And I just I really appreciate you sharing your story with us cuz um yeah, that's uh it's it's touching, it's beautiful, it's uh an amazing story and it's powerful and I'm sure it can touch many people because a lot of people can can get that and it resonates on some level or another and yeah comfort does um comfort's really nice and we cloak ourselves in these warm cuddly comfy blankets of lulling ourselves into a false sense of often false sense of what is comfort and peace and it's just because we like to do what's what's familiar to us and so, um, but familiarity often breeds, you know, discomfort. And so, I, I I think it's amazing what you did. And yes, we do not grow like trees grow. So we have to, mm. you know, move about. And like you said, for it's different for everybody. And so, for you, this was uh, your 22 month journey, um, which took you to all these places and, and brought you to a, a spiritual place where you could write such a beautiful book and so many great stories and and with incredible pictures to match that, that invoked even deeper feelings. Um at least they did in as I was reading it and I'm sure it will with everybody else who reads it. And there were so many wonderful stories and moments to share. And um it's hard to pick which ones to even bring up with you. But there was you know Henny Penny, your favorite childhood chicken. Um, then later on in your travels, you meet brave William, the chicken who I loved and mm-hmm. one
1: <laughs> who yeah. would run
0: to you lovingly every time you saw him. Um, such great stories. And then the, the lovely violet, who is your favorite baby water Buffalo, um, such a great picture, which I believe is, um, on your profile here. And I, I, I don't even know, there's just so many of them. Is there any one in particular that you'd like to talk about that was like kind of your favorite that sticks out for you that maybe you haven't talked about mm. so many times that you're bored of talking about it already?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that was really, uh, I, obviously, or understandably, the, the main thing that had me going back to Animal Sanctuary after Animal Sanctuary was uh, being able to Form these connections with individual animals. Um, in some cases, it was it was just a a really unique opportunity uh, for me. Come into a place that has different kinds of animals. Uh, for instance, in the the Cambodia Wildlife Sanctuary um, and uh, some sanctuaries in Thailand, um, I got to make some really sweet and meaningful connections with, um, elephants and monkeys and bears, um, sun bears, uh, in Southeast Asia, uh, which are these like small black bears with a sort of a gold crescent or a white crescent on their chest. Um, and there was a, you know, a baby sun bear, uh, named Taz who I got to take care of. And that was just such an incredible, um, you know, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity um, and, you know, monkey there as well. Um, That said, I also just found such joy and satisfaction making friends with farm animals uh, at some of the farm animal sanctuaries that I I visited, uh, especially in Spain and Italy and Denmark there were a few sanctuaries I volunteered at and it was really remarkable to me you know the the stories you mentioned about the chickens uh you know when I was a, a small child growing up in rural Missouri uh for for part of my young childhood um you know we had chickens and I really I loved them I loved you know watching them explore and and holding them and, um, you know, just being with them out there in the, in the the woods and in the, the countryside um, and tucking them in at night in their coop. And oh, I can't.
0: So
1: uh, <laughs> it was, uh, I'm grateful I had that as a child, but also as, as I wrote about, uh, we did eat the chickens and, um, and that was a real sort of my first Notable experience with the um the cognitive dissonance of loving animals, but also you know eating them, being responsible for for their suffering or death um and you know at the time I was you know five years old or something I was not able to process <laughs> or understand um that that conflict that sort of mental struggle to make sense of both of those things at the same time um and you know later in life i you know i always had an affinity for animals and loved them and enjoyed spending time with them but it was not so so much farm animals that i had the opportunity to to be with and so um even though I was you know I, I turned vegan when I was sixteen years old, uh I still largely had this you know conception of farm animals that was very uh superficial or or just the stereotypes of you know pigs go oink and uh and that's sort of what they are, the sort of two dimensional uh view of them, and you know, I knew intellectually that they. They were intelligent and capable of joy and suffering, um, just and had personalities just like uh, dogs and cats that you know most people have more personal experience with. um but that was mostly theoretical um rather than from firsthand experience. so when i was able as an adult to go to uh, a sanctuary like mino valley uh, farm sanctuary in in um, northern spain where this uh, chicken william the brave lived it was such uh, such an opportunity i was so grateful for to be able to make a connection with him uh, even though he was you know the opposite of an exotic rare animal he you know he exists. He, uh, those of his kind exist by the billions uh, in the modern world. Um, but to be able to actually make friends with him uh, and earn his trust, and you know, after he had fallen off a transport truck and been found on the side of the road, and then nursed to health, and as as you mentioned, when I would you know come into his yard and call his name, he would come running over and you know hop in my lap and just uh you know to be able to to learn their the the subtleties of their behavior um and you know his personality you know to see and make that connection firsthand that he is not a two-dimensional stereotype of a chicken he is an individual who has his own history and Um, likes and dislikes and relationships and um personality uh that was a a huge gift to be able to experience that
0: it's so great yeah i mean they're they're sentient beings and if everybody had the opportunity to experience something like that they might find that out and um some people maybe wouldn't see that but I think a lot more people today are starting to wake up to this concept and the concept of um, plant-based eating and mm-hmm. become more, um, if not in, in touch with the idea that empathy is really important, at least start to um, hear the word more and understand that that it this is something that we need to really take a look at a closer look at um that said um my favorite chapter not that you asked but i'm going to i'm going to mention it anyway because it was really um important for me i just grabbed hold of me pretty quickly was and i i'm probably going to say this wrong but so correct me if I will, <laughs> it's okay um sure. itadakizen how do you yeah, say? that's close enough come on you tell me how do you uh, say? i
1: mean i would say itadakizen itadakizen it's i mean uh, just basically you just said it slower <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but,
0: i said it slower yeah. so i wouldn't butcher it as bad. i mean
1: I, I don't have the the most amazing <laughs> japanese pronunciation but i think that's pretty accurate
0: it's a ducky zen okay so um you wrote about this obviously your time in japan and you mm-hmm. stayed with akiko-san and yasu-san i hope i said their names right yeah and um that sounded like they had, they sound like lovely people in a lovely home, and they had a home business selling natural food products. And you, you talked about how Akiko-san seemed to basically infuse love into everything that she did and all the food she made, um, which gets to the philosophy of itadaki Zen, which is plant of uh, plant-based eating philosophy, um, which I'd never heard of, but it resonated with me um, very much so, which I can explain a little bit better at the end, but for listeners, I'll try and explain it the way you wrote about it, which is a viewpoint that every everything we consume has a spirit and whatever we eat, it's that spirit, you know, if we're consuming that spirit, that spirit is then mixing with our own spirit. And they say that animal spirits are sh- much stronger than plant spirits. And so eating them, eating animals disrupts our own spiritual energy, I suppose to say. And then, but if we're only eating plants, then that disruption is much less, assuming we're not eating lots of chemicals and things like that. Um, And then, so if, with, with those lessened disruptions, we can then know ourselves better. And um, furthermore, going on to say that it helps purify our spirit and our self-knowledge and that, Inner peace would ultimately be the result of that, which then we could go further on to say then um it's a Daki Zen is the fundamental basis for the world peace that we desire. Now I don't know if you wrote that or if that is exactly how they wrote So
1: that. yeah, just a disclaimer, this is this is you paraphrasing sure. what I yes. wrote through a, a series yes. of conversations that uh you know had some uh language barriers involved. Um but yeah, I think that's from what uh, I understand famous, I think that's yeah. pretty pretty accurate uh summary um yeah, it was uh, definitely fascinating to be a a part of their world for a short time um I was uh woofing with them, which is um for you or any listeners who don't know that it's uh, stands for worldwide opportunities on organic farms uh and and that and uh, some other. Um, networks out there, basically, a way to connect um, travelers or or anyone really with uh, organic farms or others who who need help, and it's essentially a a, a work trade system um, yes. where you work for for room and board and usually live uh, with a family and eat with them, and it's a really amazing way to um, to have some full immersion in, in another culture and to, to be useful, um, to them in the process. Um, so I was with there, um, they, they didn't have a, a large, uh, farm at the time, as you said, they had a, uh, a business doing selling natural foods and they also made, um, you know, did some like vegan catering, um, as well. Um, so yeah, I got to, to live with them and learn about this uh, philosophy itataki zen which uh, i'd never heard of before either um it sounds like it's it's not that uh, huge of a, a community but they do have uh all vegan extremely wholesome and delicious uh itataki zen restaurants i, um, saw I that. there's that. actually yeah. one in london at least last time i, I checked there was one in london and LA,
0: I think. Um,
1: uh, a handful around uh, Japan as well. They they have plans. You know, their their goal is to have like a hundred of these restaurants around the world, uh, yeah. something like that. Um, but yeah, their their philosophy. It was interesting for me to to try to interpret and um, I mean, partially because of the the language barriers. You know, is the conversations with three different. Japanese people, some of whom had, you know, better English than others. Um, that said, uh, it was also just trying to understand it in within the, the context of my own worldview, uh, which is is maybe a little, I don't know, I don't know if I wanna say less spiritual uh, and more rational, but something along those lines. And just um, thinking like how I, because it, it makes sense to me, um, but I, I might interpret it a different way in terms of, um, you know, if you're eating an animal's body who suffered and was tortured massively and, you know, was killed a fraction of their natural lifespan, Um if nothing else there is well, you know going back to this cognitive dissonance of um you really have to put that out of your mind <laughs> you know any you know person who has uh you know some empathy or compassion uh and like understanding of these animals as sentient uh really has to put that reality out of their mind in order to consume it and feel like it is this nourishing wholesome enjoyable experience
0: right
1: and uh yeah in terms of like quote unquote knowing yourself more um truly whether that's in a spiritual sense or a psychological sense um you know it is certainly much harder if you are three times a day you know doing these mental gymnastics mental and emotional gymnastics in order to um enjoy something that uh you know logically uh was the result of, of suffering right. of unnecessary suffering right um you can't go that, back
0: once you know i mean i don't i don't think you can um some of us can't anyway um, You actually it's you, mm-hmm. up close and personal and you see what's happening um
1: yeah yeah um so, I mean, it's interesting I, I hadn't really made this connection until just now, but I also wrote about, um, uh, my mother, um, going, uh, mostly vegan, um, it was actually right before I left on this, uh, trip. So, uh, it was, you know, much, much later in life, uh, than I did. And she had, you know, previously eaten meat, um, every day of her life for many decades and, once she stopped, even though she was just, you know, trying it out um, for a potentially short amount of time, once once she stopped, she got some distance between herself and the the sort of harsh reality of what it means to eat meat of of an animal who suffered and. Once she got that distance because she wasn't eating meat for you know a, a few weeks or something, then she was able to start seeing it much more clearly and seeing her relationship to those animals much more clearly. And she even described it, uh, as a kind of spiritual awakening for her. So, I um, yeah, yeah, so even if that is you know, whether you know, however you view however you want to interpret those words of like uh, animals have a stronger spirit than plants. And so when you eat them, you're disrupting your own spirit. Um, Like I said, I might interpret that a little more through um, a a psychological sort of lens. Um, But the, I think the premise is, seems pretty sound to me.
0: Well, um, since we do have this show slotted as a 40 minute um, show, I, and we are believe it or not coming close to that time which is <laughs> okay same <insane> because we <laughs> haven't touched started nearly anything <laughs> yeah and i do want to delve further into that whole subject matter and the spirit of the mm-hmm. animal and what it means you know you've got the psychological ramifications the physical ramifications and then also the emotional ones and and then there's also energetic and i happen to be a mm-hmm. Master reiki practitioner so for me i I'm all about the energy and what that all means and what that does to us. And um, yeah. so I could do a whole, a whole episode. i mm-hmm. just that with you, if you were so interested, but I do want to talk about a whole bunch of other things as well. So sure. I'm wondering if we just say, um, we kind of bring this episode to a, a close. I want to say thank you. And then if you have the ability and would like to do another um, I guess, part of part two, and we can get into the rest of this if you have the, the ability and interest for that. But yeah,
1: that I'd love great. to. That That'd be great. great.
0: Thanks. All right. Well, I'd love to do that too. So um, let me just take a moment then and just say how much I enjoyed this time with you for anybody who maybe won't get to the part two episode of this, although I hope they will, and I don't know why they wouldn't because... Now it's kind of like at a cliffhanger moment, right? Well, what are they going to next? <laughs> this book sounds so amazing, which it absolutely is. And um, but let me at least say thank you, what a, and and tell you what a pleasure it is to have you here and how nice it is to to meet you, although albeit virtually um in person. And um I I want all of our listeners to really check your book out. And all of our links are on um are going to be posted on the um, uh, the Rising Lioness podcast page along with uh, links to woofing in case anybody wants to know how to do that we'll put that link up there too because that's actually a great roadmap for anybody who wants to learn about how to start their own sanctuary maybe um, I know for myself I that's on my bucket list it's like where I want to head out into the sunset once I go into retirement mm-hmm. I, I know lots of other people that I come across in my um, in my life who want to do the same or animal lovers. And, you know, what a great way to learn about, you know, like I'm a city girl, I know nothing about uh, farms mm-hmm. and sanctuaries and how to, um, care for and take care of animals and raise, you know, plants and, and all that good yeah, stuff. So- I think
1: there's a, there's actually a, a surprise, maybe not surprising, but there's a number of people who have started animal sanctuaries, uh, without ever visiting one <laughs> or uh, yeah. basically kind of stumbled into it. Uh, I mean, with the best intentions, but right. you know, it's a very, it's a big challenge and yeah, um, yeah a there's a, a, a lot, a lot to learn and a lot to take on. So
0: yeah.
1: I hi- highly recommend people whether they're interested in starting their own or, or just, you know, interested in, what people are doing out there and our animal lovers as well to, to visit animal sanctuaries in person. There's uh, more and more popping up these days
0: and they need a lot of support. So uh,
1: they always need help and uh, funding. Yes. yes.
0: Yeah. Resources of, you know, human resources, as well as financial resources. So um, your book is, is, uh, is great for so many different reasons. And that's, that's just one more of the wonderful reasons besides, um, what a beautiful journey it is. And the pictures are wonderful. And it's uh, it's a wonderful reminder for all of us to think about empathy and how important it is to um, bring more of it into the world today. It's very much needed. So please, folks, buy your copies. It's a wonderful time of year. You can give it to friends and loved ones this holiday season. And why not? Because we're all in need of its beautiful reminders that empathy is a necessity for us all so um uh,
1: flash the book here for uh youtube viewers uh it's a nice large format full color and there's uh i love that beautiful photos that's um
0: that the sun bear
1: has the the baby sun bear actually and then that is uh me holding the hand of a baby monkey that was another incredible
0: those are like National like variants, Geographic um, award-winning photos yeah. Lucas. Like this. They really are. They're
1: gorgeous. Thank yeah. you. I I put uh, a lot of work into this book and, you know, finally getting it uh, out there into the world and having no idea how it would be received. I'm really, I'm really, it shows. really uh, very pleased and, and grateful to, to have people like yourself, uh, well, received it so well and i'm glad I, it resonated with you i
0: loved it i know everybody else will too lucas i'm a huge fan thank you again i can't wait to find out what's next for you and everybody log on to see the uh episode two of the rising lioness with the weight of empathy and lucas steel. thank you so much i'll see you soon bye
1: bye thank you for having me <laughs>
0: This has been Erica Salvamini on the Rising Lioness podcast on All About Animals Radio. I want to thank All About Animals Radio for giving me and other animal warriors a platform to advocate from. I want to also thank our listeners for supporting All About Animals Radio and for continuing their good work of advocating for our friends. And a special thanks goes out to Chris Corley for generously lending us his song, Zero Gravity, for the Rising Lioness podcast theme please take a moment to write a review for our show as it helps others to find us please also support our guests and their work all about animals radio and our social networks doing this further supports the animals and their advocates thereby making you an animal kingdom warrior too you can find our links on the rising lioness podcast page Until next time, in the words of Sharon Nunez, Animal Equality President, remember, the small actions of one passionate individual can create a butterfly effect leading to a movement that has the power to change the world. Please, use your voice today for the animals. Thank you for joining me here today. Namaste.